Hey beautiful people, welcome to my channel Rahu and Ketu study part 23. We got a few more to go till 27. Good news. Okay, so now we are putting Rahu in Ardra nakshatra. So we come to the Gemini and Sagittarius axis. But before I get into that, I want to talk about this beautiful beautiful energy of Rudra which is so misunderstood, right? As usual. we humans tend to misunderstand first and then understand later never mind so ardra nakshatra what are the themes just to recap transformation through difficulties of life keen intellectual capacity these are the unsung heroes of our world these are the engineers the scientists the researchers who are inventing new stuff all the time even this youtube even artificial intelligence even mobile phones right all the software engineers all the civil engineers electrical instrumentation process electrical computer science engineers have a dominant ardra energy to them doesn't matter if rahu and ketu is placed or other planets and points are placed but i'm telling the energy of ardra itself change through lots of ups and downs great sorrow rejuvenation after that easily influenced determined hard working acting to rise from the ashes the phoenix energy and this is what i have seen in light workers by the way all the sensitives empaths healers pay attention to this nakshatra ardra because i have seen in so many charts ardra nakshatra especially ardra going to moola which we shall see later in the video is all about finding out the true meaning uncovering all the myths and illusions and coming to the truth of it where does ardra reside where does rudra reside it resides here the third eye so people who are resonating with the third eye are resonating with the rudra energy okay they are optimistic they have hope they are futuristic and rahu where does it shine here rahu shines very nicely here they are investigative they are shrewd their intuitive power is very high their emotion is connected to the intellect heart rising to the head artistic they want comfort they need freedom these are the free birds of the nakshatras okay so rahu needs freedom like i said before and gemini ardra falls in gemini so gemini is a air sign so it got a lot of freedom to move so ardra feels free he can breathe he can bring things what he wants okay in ardra emotions connected to intellect need freedom want to break from monotony not the same old same old same old don't feed me what you fed in the afternoon for the breakfast for the dinner i want something different ardra non traditional free spirited to the max love adventure these are the things of ardra all of these themes as you can see fall directly in line with rahu energy who is shrewd who is explorative who is imaginative who wants to do things differently who wants to bring new stuff into the world that's rudra that's the third eye that's your intuitive power this is why all sensitive empaths if they have rudra strong and i have seen that many times they are wanting to explore secrets what is it that how this works tell me how this works tell me how this scripture works tell me what the vedas are tell me tell me what all this earth is about tell me what is spirituality they want to investigate first it starts in the mind gemini let's get into it 
So number one, the classical characteristics of Rahu and Ketu as described by the classical Vedic literature. Okay, what is Rahu and Ketu? These are the north and the south nodes of the moon found by the virtual points which are the intersection points between orbit of the moon around the earth and orbit of the earth around the sun. So basically if you take two eclipses, ellipses, it will form two intersection points. Yeah. So these two intersection points are called the north node and the south node. They are virtual nodes although they behave like planets and we shall see why in a minute. So who is Rahu? The symbols are there like a horseshoe and the reverse horseshoe. right? This is typically how it is portrayed in Western astrology. So I'm using the same symbol here. Rahu is mythologically depicted as the severed head of a demon, symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable hunger and appetite, be it sensual or physical. Yet it is unable to hold on to or grasp it. Rahu is the one who constantly wants something. Think of it as a live head only, not the body. Okay. So it can't hold on to anything or be satisfied even if it gets that thing since it has no arms or body or stomach, right? just a head which is alive. This gives Rahu the title of Bhogakaraka or meaning one who is after sensory materialistic pursuits. So think any earth sign for example, they want sensory materialistic pursuits or think any of the signs literally whatever they are after, Rahu wants that and wants that very badly and goes after it with everything. This is an energy in us by the way. It is not a planet. It's a virtual node but it will behave like a planet which we shall see why. So it is unable to satisfy that hunger or hold on to anything even though it gets something. It wants to move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next. This is why Varahu is also called as the guy who wants foreign things not of the native land or not of what the person is natively born in. Why? Because of that insatiable hunger. There is always insatiable hunger to go after one thing after the another without being able to hold on to it. That's Rahu. Ketu, on the other hand, is mythologically depicted as the severe body, the remaining half of the demon, symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable search for identity. It is looking for the head, but it doesn't have a head. So it is looking for that identity. Everybody's identity, ego is centered in the head, what you look like, right? It is also seeking for true purpose, sense of self. As a result of this, it tries to hold and grab on to everything that it can find its hands on because it has got hands. Ketu has got hands. It's trying to hold on to everything, but it releases immediately because it knows that's not the head. It's like trying to grasp onto everything, thinking, oh, I want this, or I am this, I am that, I am this. Not getting any identity because it's not finding the head there. Since it has arms and walks everywhere, it goes around through life, walking from place to place, people, situations, circumstances, but not knowing who or what it is. It doesn't have a head. This is why Ketu is referred to as Mokshakaraka or the seeker's path, the one energy in us which seeks something. That's why Ketu is called the Moksha Karaka. Now, this is the classical interpretation. Okay. Now, we shall see how this plays out in the modern interpretation. Very important to connect the bridges. Now, here you have the Rahu Ketu general characteristics as modern interpretation. This I have borrowed from the book Light on Life by Robert Suvada. Excellent book. I have put it in the community tab if you want to go through it or purchase it and read it. I seriously suggest that. 
Okay, the North Node of the Moon, Rahu, what does it become because of the characteristics which classically is told in the texts? What does Rahu lead to in the modern context? Rahu is responsible for originality, individuality, independence, insight, ingenuity, inspiration and imagination on the positive side. Because Rahu and Ketu both love to explore foreign stuff, things out of the box, things not taught by tradition, Rahu and Ketu will be anything but traditional. Okay? Think of it as something foreign to the culture, to the way you are taught things. Looking for original stuff. If there is one singular force that is responsible for creating everything that we keep modernizing, so to speak, thinking out of the box, it is this. That's why it's important to pay attention to this. Okay, back to this. So Rahu, on the downside, becomes leads to confusion, escapism, neurosis, psychosis, deception, addiction, vagueness, illusion and delusion. This is the downside. Now how this plays out and why we'll have to see individually in the charts. We will still see that. Okay, Ketu. Ketu, the guy with only the body, no head there, is gives us the feeling of universality, impressionability, idealism, intuition, compassion, spirituality, self-sacrifice, subtleness, on the positive side. On the downside, it can lead to eccentricity, fanaticism, explosiveness, violence, unconventionality, amorality, iconoclasm, impulsiveness and emotional tensions. This is on the downside. This is what it plays out and Rahu Ketu is typically an axis like it is shown over there, right? Rahu Ketu, let me remove myself for the time being from that axis, okay? There you are. So you see it as an axis okay 180 degrees apart and it can play out in any one of the opposite houses it can play out in 172839 10, etc etc we will see that later but this axis becomes a definition point of where in your life in your different houses are you looking for these two aspects and they are always opposite to each other as you can see okay to stand opposite to each other so if it plays out in second house it detaches itself from the 8th house. If Rahu is in the 2nd house, it, Ketu will be in the 8th house. You see what I mean? And so you will bring the 8th house aspect with these aspects shown here. 2nd house with that aspect shown over there. Of course, it plays out with something called as dispositors. We shall see that next. Now, if you go to a traditional Vedic astrology, they will go on and on endlessly about dispositors. What the hell is a dispositor? It's an invented term by the Vedic astrologers. It has no meaning of its own. It shows the disposition. And what's the story on this? Rahu and Ketu both are enemies of the sun and the moon. This is the basic principle. So it has the solar aspect and the lunar aspect. The solar aspect is called the dispositor. And the lunar aspect is the nakshatra. Which gives the entire characteristics and the ball game of Rahu and Ketu. Okay? The solar or the dispositor means since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the sun and do not have a full identity of their own. Remember, it's a virtual node. It is not a planet. They both do not have any planetary characteristic individually. So they take on the identity or the disposition of the lord of the zodiac sign that they sit in and borrow the attributes of the house from which that lord sits in. Suppose Mercury is in the third house. Okay. And Rahu sits in the house of Mercury somewhere else. So it will borrow the 
attributes of Mercury sitting in that third house and bring it to that particular house wherever Rahu is sitting in. Got it? Nakshatras. Since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the moon and do not have a full identity of their own, individually they take on the shade of personality. Nakshatra is essentially a shade of personality. It's coloring of a personality. It's seeing the world through different colored glasses that they sit in and borrow the nakshatra traits and attributes which color their propensities. So Rahu and Ketu do two things at the same time. At the solar level, it goes with the dispositor, that is all of the planets, physical planets, Mercury, Mars, Venus, Sun, Moon, so on. So they take on the attributes of whichever house they are sitting. If it sits in Rahu sits in Cancer, it will. you have to look for where Moon is sitting, which house and what it is doing there. And even the Moon nakshatra. If it is sitting in Leo, Rahu in Leo, that means you have to look for where sun is sitting and which nakshatra and which house. So it will bring those attributes. That's the way you have to analyze this. Okay. Let's see some aspects of which house they play in and why. Now there are some vital aspects that you need to keep in mind when evaluating Rahu and Ketu because this is important especially for people who are sort of looking for self-development to understand where they are coming from. If you are not interested in changing yourself, this entire channel is useless for you. But if the other one who is interested in knowing what is happening in my life, where do I need to go, what are my talents and you question these kinds of things, excuse the noise somebody is drilling about, so then you need to understand these aspects. Now that's the typical chart, Indian chart. And house numbers are depicted as 1, 2, 3, 4, up till 12. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha is there. And I have stuck Rahu Ketu as possible axis on the 1, 7. That is Aries and Libra. That is the top and the bottom. So either it can go to house number 1 or 7. Rahu Ketu can be reversed. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Or in 4 and 10. Now 1, 4, 7 and 10 in Vedic Astrology are given very vital importance because they are the foundational aspects that define who you are, that define how you operate in life, throughout life. So these become crucial. Why? The 1, 7 axis effects, if Rahu and Ketu fall on there, has a direct effect on yourself and other concept. 1 and 7 is self and other. How you re relate to yourself and how you relate, look at the world around you as others including the spouse, because 7th house is the house of the spouse, but also others. So how you develop through life and how you develop a relationship with others. So it defines who you are in a very broad sense. 1, 7 axis of Rahu Ketu. The 410 on the other hand, 4th house being the house of the mother, 10th being father, 4th being home, 10th being career. You see, this has a, you know all kinds of implications which define who you are. The 410 axis has effects on the heart versus mind. Mind wants to, is the one who goes out there in the world and being used in the career, right? You dissipate your energy as the mind in the external world. Heart is your home, your home center where you feel comfortable. Home is where the heart is, that kind of a thing. So heart and home is affected by this Rahu Ketu axis. Again, Rahu and Ketu might be reversed. Rahu might be in the fourth, Ketu might be in the tenth, or vice versa. Same way with one and seven. But these are the vital relating aspects of Rahu and Ketu. Now, what about the rest of the houses? Now, rest of the houses are called Trikona or Kona in Sanskrit, right? 
these are the things that come and go in your life let be second house third house fifth house sixth eighth ninth eleventh the twelfth these are the things that come and go in our life through life through your entire life these are things that are added into subtracted from us but this is not us 147 and 10 is us everything else is secondary which revolves around you as life comes and goes all other axes depict what attachments and detachments we have towards different areas of our life that's all it is they are less significant in terms of rahu and ketu when compared to 174 and 10 axes of rahu and ketu please remember this when you evaluating you just have more propensity towards one part of life and less towards others rahu is attachment ketu is detachment rahu is expansion ketu is reduction and they stand opposite to each other all this right now let's take the cases one by one so now we have placed rahu in the fourth pada of ardha nakshatra and the ketu goes in purvashada never forget the ketu because ketu is what the rahu needs to function and fulfill its destiny so now we have this axis over there in artha and moksha so we are talking about gemini sagittarius aren't we so we are talking about the student and the teacher energy in general through all the four padas it travels through slightly different energies in each and every pada so gemini to pisces being going from going from what going from mercury to jupiter and on the other side it is sagittarius going to virgo so it is going from jupiter to mercury so it's the flip of energy so they need to blend their intellect and their wisdom it brings in the grounding energy of virgo into pisces jupiter so it's not always the intellectual intellect or it's not always the wisdom sometimes you bring in wisdom from the past life but you need to ground it in the intellect you need to see how you can do well with the intellect in this world otherwise what use is that wisdom you go to some forest and meditate like a yogi it's no use you're no good to anyone you just came you ran off to the forest the what good is that so from gemini to pisces it's about transformation from going from intellect to wisdom this ardra will hunt for wisdom of emotional nature so they are translating basically an emotional nature of intellect again we saw the themes of ardra in the beginning but to do that successfully this rahu needs that artha the means it gets it from virgo going from jupiter to virgo it needs grounding and it will be very grounded there but don't take that for granted ketu tends to take things for granted don't ignore the ketu wherever it's in your chart because that's your comfort zone that's your past life earned wisdom okay let's see what happens in pada 3 So in Pada three we have Leo Aquarius axis. If you don't know what Leo Aquarius and Taurus and Scorpio and all these things that I keep yammering about, you got to see all the previous ones, okay? So we have the Leo Aquarius in the Navamsha. Natal still has got Jupiter and Mercury. So now we have got Aquarius going into Navamsha, which is Saturn, and Leo in Ketu. So Ketu, if it sticks its head in Leo, it wants to bring in ancestral energy from the past. Your ancestors, your beautiful ancestors, 
where they are your greatest grandfather the earth the sun the sky all these are your ancestral energy and they trickle through your brain trickle through your ardra because we are talking about ardra nakshatra here and rahu in it and that's what it wants to get and bring it to the masses aquarius is about masses so see where your saturn is placed and see where your sun is placed and how best you can understand this understanding is the first step and then only we can do other things without understanding what can we do right let's see the second pada so now we come to pada 2 rahu in pada 2 of ardra nakshatra which is shown over there gemini to capricorn we are talking about mercury to saturn transition from natal to navamsha on the other side ketu is going in moksha from sagittarius to cancer right so we are talking about cancer capricorn axis the mind and the heart and this axis because ketu now has gone into mula as you can see mula the root going towards the root of the stuff do you know galactically scientists have found out now that the black hole in the center of the galaxy is in sagittarius my guess is it will be in this axis mula the root from where the entire galaxy has spawned anyway i digress so rahu ketu axis we are talking about cancer capricorn so they they are bringing they are going to the root of and ketu does very well in mula and ardra rahu does very well so this is a shining axis of rahu and ketu ardra mula this defines people who are born in this maybe the old souls the wise souls because they know the depth of emotion ardra they know the depth of wisdom it combines the essence of the heart mind and the heart other way around right <clears throat> so now we are going from jupiter to cancer going from jupiter to moon and on the other side so jupiter to moon ketu in mula Mula is digging through all the lies and getting to the root, getting to the truth of things, finding out and uncovering the truth. It's the goddess Kali. It's the one who resides beyond time. It's the mother. Don't be scared of all these things. This is just the divine mother. Think of your mum, and think of somebody who is a universal mum. Okay. So she is ruling this Mula. and she wants to bring in she brings you the wisdom from cancer the wisdom of the moon into capricorn how you can use it in your work is that simple given all the mythology and the tale telling this how it gets as simple as that okay now let's see the last one the first pada so in the first pada it's a kama dharma axis So now we are going from Sagittarius to Gemini, and we are going from Gemini to Sagittarius. This is the flip, flip of personality from first half of life to the next half of life, probably, or with the spouse. We shall see that in the conclusive notes. I still to make conclusive notes about all these things. So Gemini to Sagittarius, it goes from Mercury to Jupiter in the Rahu factor. <clears throat> so what would we do in Ardra? In Ardra. Gemini to Sagittarius, Mercury to Jupiter will look for the wisdom related to the particular house it is sitting in. 
because Rahu is an imitator. It imitates the planet. It doesn't have a head of its own. Well, it has a head, but it has no personality of its own. So it's looking for the dispositor. Look at the chart over there, right? And then Ketu on the other side goes from Sagittarius to Gemini. So at later stages, they might want to bring in the wisdom of Mercury into Jupiter, taking the wisdom from intellect into wisdom, graduation of intellect towards wisdom. This is what happens here. And this is a very strong axis, as is the next one where you go from Mula to Jeshta and Murikshira. But Ardra is the strongest. This axis is quite the strongest in the entire chart of Rahu and Ketu. Because Rahu is driven towards achieving that in Ardra. It's driven towards achieving the intellectual full capacity, the third eye. Whereas Mula wants to get to the root of things, the root chakra, for example, the heart, the rest of the body. So you're really talking about when you talk of Ardra and Mula and Rahu and Ketu, Rahu being in Ardra and Ketu being in Mula, you're talking about the perfect recipe for a yogi for someone who is a seeker someone who can become a saint depending upon where the dispositor is of each one of these depending upon where the Mercury and Jupiter are sitting and where this Rahu Ketu axis is especially if in the 1-7 axis it can become really strong I want to get to the root of things I want to find out what the truth is Beyond all the narratives, beyond all the tale-telling, beyond all the lies that are propagated, I want to know to the truth and I want to get to it myself. This Rahu Ketu axis empowers in that direction, the seeker's path, the spiritual path. Okay. Next, let's take up Mrikshirsha Nakshatra, the head of a deer. It's a soft one, very gentle one. I have known Mrikshirsha Nakshatra people, they are so soft, they are so gentle. Okay. Next we shall take up that. In the meantime, be safe.